if they can. This is uh, December 6, 2008, and we're looking at uh, Lesson 14, and it's not what you think, it's what you do. And we're looking at the word rest today. Let's open in prayer. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this day of rest. Thank you for the rest that you have provided us in Messiah Yeshua. Thank you for the sign of rest, the Shabbat. Father, we pray that you might teach us what it is to rest, and Father, what it is to rest in you. We look forward to that eternal rest, that day when we will all be like Shabbat, when we will rest with Messiah forever. We pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. This is from the Shacharit Prayers Mecha uh, from the Shimona Esrei. You are one and your name is one. And who is like your people Israel, one nation on earth, the splendor of greatness and the crown of salvation, the day of contentment and holiness you have given to your people. Abraham would rejoice. Isaac would exult. Jacob and his children would rest on it. A rest of love and magnanimity. A rest of truth and faith. A rest of peace and serenity and tranquility and security. A perfect rest in which you find favor. May your children recognize and know that from you comes their rest. And through their rest, they will sanctify your name. Our God and God of our forefathers, may you be pleased with our rest. Sanctify us with your commandments and grant us our share in your Torah. Satisfy us from your goodness and gladness with your salvation. And purify our heart to serve you sincerely. O Lord, our God, with love and favor, grant us your holy Sabbath as a heritage. And may Israel, the sanctifiers of your name, rest on them. Blessed are you, Lord, who sanctifies the Sabbath. Amen. We're looking at rest. And I've uh, given you a couple focus passages or from one passage from Exodus 31 which is a prime uh, passage for looking at the uh, topic of the Sabbath or Shabbat and the Lord spoke to Moses saying speak also to the children of Israel saying surely my Shabbatot you shall keep for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you therefore the children of Israel shall keep the Shabbat to observe the Shabbat throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And that's Exodus 31, 12 to 13, and Exodus 16 through 17. Last week we looked at the word work, or do. Um, now we're going to look at the little bit different angle of that word work today uh, by looking at the opposite, or uh, the the uh, fulfillment of work, which is rest. Uh, we saw that the word do, uh, asa, is usually something that's a follow-on to something God's already done. He, he does it, and then he commands us to do it. And, and uh, we see that specifically in Ephesians chapter 2.10, where it says, We are his workmanship, created in Messiah Yeshua, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. One of the biggest, uh, um, uh, I should say, deceptions that has been foisted upon the people of God and that is that works uh, are bad uh, we, 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 we saw last week where we talked about um, uh, works based salvation as uh, is the big boogeyman of, uh, of, of people of faith you know oh, you know well, we wouldn't want a works based salvation. Uh, and and uh, as we've seen many times, uh, works-based salvation is what other people believe. It's never, no one ever claims to have a works-based salvation. 
uh, Protestants accuse Catholics of having a workspace foundation and Jews uh, and uh, both Catholics and Jews would say what are you talking about it's it's about Catholics would say it's about grace of course the definition of grace is maybe different but and and certainly the Jewish people would have always understood that they are chosen by God by grace alone and it is through faith that they find the, ex- the expression and the living out of, of uh, that being chosen. Um, so when we look at this idea of works-based salvation, we have to get just sim- simply in, in correct order. Good works could never be anything other than good. Correct? Uh, if we don't have good works, then what kind of faith do we have? That's what James said. Faith without works is dead. It's not faith at all. So it's not works that we should be opposed to. It's the correct understanding of where work falls into uh, what God has done versus what we are called to do. And uh, we, we also... To have a correct view of work, we have to see what God works on our behalf, as we saw. And Ephesians 2 tells us we are his workmanship. He created us. He created us in the Messiah issue of four good works. That was our purpose. We were actually created for it. That he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He already did them. He just wants us to follow through. Um, We also saw that if you're going to have a correct view of work, you have to have a correct view of rest and vice versa. The two go together. And uh, we're going to look at Shabbat, which is what I've written on the board today. Uh, Shin, Bet, uh, Tav. And uh, in the ancient letters, actually they're pretty, close, they're pretty close in meaning to the ancient letters. The ancient letters, the Shin, of course, is the, uh, is the consuming presence of God. The Bet is, uh, is a house or a tent. Uh, also can be the sun because the house continues. In other words, uh, a man's house continues in his, in his offspring. And then the Tav is a covenant mark. So in that we can see the Almighty's presence in the house or in the family, in the, uh, in the tent, as a covenant mark. And there's no question about it. The Shabbat has been the prime identifier of Jewish people since it was instituted over 3,000 years ago. And some would say, among which I would include myself, since creation. It's been the way that you identified the people of God. Um, that's why it's a very interesting thing that the vast majority of followers of Yeshua do not practice Shabbat. Why? It's legalistic. That's a good. That's a good one. What else? It's works. Sure, sure. But if you were to go back fifty to a hundred years ago in America, you would find people practicing something just on a different day. What were they practicing? Something very similar to Shabbat. In fact, it, it, just, just a generation ago, less than a generation ago, in the South, you could buy nails but not a hammer. Why? That's right. The stores are closed. Today, you can't buy liquor in North Carolina. Okay. <laughs> you can buy anything else but just can't buy liquor. What, what's, what's the thing about Sunday? You know, why Sunday? It removed the identity, and that was its prime purpose. Now, people, of course, would argue with us, but history is very, very clear. And that is, when you go back and you try and discover, they worshipped on the first day of the week in the Bible, you will not find it. In fact, the phrase, the first day of the week, is not even found in the Greek 
apostolic scriptures. It is not, the day, word day is not even there. It says, anytime you find the first day of the week in English, it says, the first of the Sabbaths, plural. In other words, the very thing that they're trying to scrub out of your New Testament <laughs> is actually what the Greek says. Uh, and what is the first of the Sabbaths? And when did they worship? You won't find it on the first of the Sabbaths. You just won't. It's not there. It doesn't exist. What was our master's practice? He would go to the synagogue on the Sabbath. Right. You know, it's like, uh, well, why do we want to do something different? Well, the reason why is because they wanted to distance themselves. The early Christian church, the emerging Christian church is probably a better way to say it because the early believers met on Shabbat. It was the early Christian, uh, emerging Christian church that actually wanted to distance themselves from things Jewish. It costs money to be Jewish. Uh, Fiscus Judaicus, which happened after the first uh, Jewish revolt, was a tax put upon all Jewish people by the Roman government. And if you even looked or acted like a Jew, you got taxed. People didn't want to get out of, hey, that's, that's not me, I'm not, I'm not Jewish. No, 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 no. It's like, wait a minute. You, you worship on the seventh day, you eat kosher, you know, you wear funny clothes. Uh, I'm sorry, you may say you're not Jewish, but you are, and we're going to tax you. And it was, it was confiscatory. I mean, it was, it was serious tax. Tax. In fact, if you were to translate in today's dollar, a family of four in America today, it would be something in the neighborhood of $4,000 a year you'd have to pay to the Roman government just because you're Jewish. Well, I mean, there's a lot of other reasons too, but that's a pretty big reason why we say, whoa, whoa, I'm Gentile, sorry. <laughs> not me. I'm not, I'm not Jewish. So, the emerging Christian church, uh, specifically as early as the very early second century, wanted to distance themselves from all things Jewish. So, they started meeting on Sunday. And uh, it became codified, of course, uh, in the 4th century, first of all with uh, Emperor Constantine at the Council of Nicaea, and later on uh, with uh, the Council of Laodicea, where it became, it became a crime worthy of excommunication to rest on the seventh day. You were, com- you were required by religious law to work. Um, so... That's, that's where we get this history of Shabbat uh, versus the seventh day. What, what is it about rest, though? What it is about rest? We don't want to just look at what other people do wrong. How can we do it right? Uh, Sabbath, of course, is a transliteration, a poor transliteration of the word Shabbat. Uh, always get the S's con- and the, the sheens and the S's confused. It's like always opposite. Same thing with TH's and, you know, it's, it's a funny thing. But it's Shabbat. Um, and it, the interesting thing about the Hebrew is it's both a noun and a verb. And usually when it's rendered in the verb form in your Hebrew Bible, when it's translated in English, it's simply rest. It's not translated as Shabbat. But when it's transliterated into English as a noun, it's called the, the Sabbath. Another word we find in Exodus 20.11 is Noach. And the parashat uh, a few weeks ago was parashat Noach, Noah. Noah is another word for rest. Um, it means to rest or be quiet. In Exodus 20:11, it actually connects between the Shabbat and uh, between Shabbat and uh, this idea of Noah. Uh, First usage is found in Genesis 2:22. Go to go there real quickly. Or at the end of chapter one, excuse me, it's 1:22. Actually, if you if you know this this verse from uh, Reb Shabbat. 
from the ceremony of a Rev Shabbat, the evening of Shabbat, welcoming the Shabbat, Kabbalat HaShabbat, in, in ver- starts in verse 31, and uh, actually starts in 31b. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. That's the heavens and the earth were all, the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Notice the, re- the contrast. Or, actually, I would not say contrast. It's very wrong. I think it's wrong to see work and rest as contrasting but rather that they are, that they are sequential. Uh, here he says, he did his work, he rested from his work. And notice uh, there's, a, there's a nice little midrash on, on uh, this idea that he rested on the seventh day. And on the seventh day, verse two, on the seventh day, God ended his work. So what day did he end his work? The sixth day? The seventh day. It's like people scratch their head and say, well, God worked on the seventh day. He did a work on the seventh day. Uh, but... The, actually, the Midrash says that if what he did was he created rest on the seventh day. A little aside. Verse 3, Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. The very unfortunate thing is that we use the word work, and maybe we shouldn't be called work. I don't have a better English word, but that's the very unfortunate thing, is because you get the idea here that God may have been tired. He worked. When you get to... Friday, of course, everybody says, thank God it's Friday. Why? Because I'm tired of working. This is not what work is. This is not what work is being described as. Work is not something you tire from. And rest is not something that relieves you from work. Rest is what shows the purpose of work. And, and unfortunately, we use the, you know, it's all tied up in our own uh, our own work ethic, how we go to work, and then how we how we take time off from work, vacation, right? What do we do when we vacation? We usually do not rest. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe you have a honey-do list that you have to work through, right? <laughs> uh, it's the things you do that you didn't have time to do when you were working for someone else. Uh, we usually don't have a very good idea of work. Here we, in this first reference, though, it's very important we understand that this is the way that we should understand rest. Every time we think of the Shabbat, every time we think of rest, we should think of creation and that God rested on the seventh day and he blessed it. Notice that the seventh day in the creation week is the most important. It's the only day that he blesses. Everything else he says, it's good. When he gets to the seventh day, he blesses it. There's only other, one other place he's blessing something here in this passage and that's people. People and a day. Imagine that. People and a day. Well, that kind of fits with what Yeshua said. Right? It's man created for the Sabbath, the Sabbath for the man. Right? Right? The Sabbath was created for man. Um, go to Exodus 31, verse 17, and we're going to see that in this giving, this giving of... First of all, this is not the first place the Sabbath commandment is given. The first place the Sabbath commandment is given is actually Exodus chapter 16. Of course, those who like to say, as we hear the word legalistic, you legalistically keep the Sabbath, of course, they immediately go to the Ten Commandments. And see, see, this is all about Sinai, Galatians chapter 4. How dare you be, be trying to replace the grace that's been given to us with commandments, as some would say. Uh, well, it's actually found in Exodus chapter 16, long before the law is ever given at Sinai. But most importantly, as I would like people to point out and see, is it's actually given in Genesis chapter 2. 
apart from don't eat from this tree, it's probably, it is the first recognized thing or pattern that we're supposed to emulate. So it's a commandment. You're supposed to act like the one who created you, right? What did he do? He rested on the seventh day. So, you know, don't eat from this tree is, that's clearly a commandment, which we broke, right? But if we're supposed to emulate, this is really the thing we're supposed to emulate, right? He rested. He ceased. And that's actually what the word means. It just means to cease, to stop. Stop. To rest. Uh, Exodus 31, verse 17. And here, this is what we read from, here what God is doing is, he's actually connecting the commandments given about Sabbath rest in Exodus 16 and also in Exodus chapter, uh, which had to do with the manna. Do you remember that? The manna? Stay in your places. Uh, don't go out and gather the manna on the seventh day. That was the f- giving of the se- first Sabbath commandment. And then Exodus chapter 20, we see in the Ten Words and the Ten Commandments, of course, the Sabbath is listed. And now here he's giving us more information. He's connecting it to the creation. Uh, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, actually, go to, uh, what did I say, verse 17? Yeah. Therefore, that first of all, remember, I, I keep telling you this, the most often repeated phrase in the whole Bible is, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel. It is the most often repeated phrase. So anybody that wants to tell you, well, well, that's a law of Moses, you know, we got a new law, which is all fine and well. I mean, we do have a new law, but I would say what's different from the old law, if you want to look at it that way. More importantly, if it was spoken by the mouth of the Almighty, it can't be flushed down the toilet of tradition. And that's what people do. I mean, it's, they, are profane, they, are, they are profaning the very words of God and trying to diminish them by calling it something other than His words. Well, that's the law of Moses. What I've heard is, well, that was for the children of Israel. Well, let's look at that. That's a good point. Here it says in verse 17, It is a sign between me, God is speaking, it is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. How long? How long is forever? Is it a Brit Olam? It is an eternal covenant. Um, Vishamru, this is Vishamru by the way. Uh, if, you, if you sing that song, this is Vishamru. Uh, it is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And that refreshed comes from the same, uh, comes from, uh, uh, it's nafash, which comes from nafesh, the living soul, what God breathed into us, we became a living soul. And here we see this, that God became refreshed. It's like exhaling and inhaling. You know, it's the idea uh, of of breathing. Um, it's like when uh, when you read this passage, Vishamru uh, on on Arev Shabbat. It's like the Shabbat begins that moment. Tradition says the Shabbat begins when when the women in the house I see the lit candles. But the idea is that you know it's that idea of being refreshed. It's not stopping. It's not because you're tired. It's that there's something that you need to be infused with. It's not just the stopping of something. You need something. And that's what, that's what rest gives. Um, go to chapter 16. We talked about that briefly. Exodus chapter 16, verse 15. Verse 15 through 31. I may, I may skip some verses here in between. 
So when the children of Israel saw it, talking about the manna, well, what is it? Huh, manna? <laughs> what is it? They, did not, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the, com- this is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's need. One omer for each person, according to the number of persons, let every man take for, for those who are in his tent. Then the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. And when they measured it by others, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to his, each one's need. And Moses said of it, Let no one leave it, any of it until morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses, but some of them left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and stank. You had to do it every day. Six days. Six days you got to do it. Every day you got to do it. Can't save it. Can't work a day ahead. You've got to keep up with it. It's a daily thing, right? How... How pitiful that is. got to get up every morning and gather my food. So they gathered every morning, every man according to his need, and the sun became hot and it melted. So it was in the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread. Two omers for each one. Uh, oh, it's bread. It's not just, what is it, mana. It's actually bread now, right? <laughs> uh, two omers for each one. Why do we do two loaves of bread on Erev Shabbat? Because it's like two omers of manna. And it's actually called bread here. The manna is. I don't know. I don't think challah tastes like manna, but it's pretty good. And all, the, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. Then he said to them, This is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest. This is the first mention of it for man here. Although man, I believe, practiced it. Um, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today and boil what you will boil. Lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. So they laid up until morning and Moses commanded, did not stink they were, and there were not any worms in it. Uh, hey, we kept it overnight and it didn't spoil. Any other time you do, it spoils. This is a practical lesson, isn't it? So when he gets to Exodus chapter 20 and he's giving them the ten words spoken from the mouth of God, brought down, written on tablets, they get it. We know what this is all about. Not just because it's a theological thing. It's a practical thing. They can relate the theology because they do it. See, the people who would say, oh, I practice the Sabbath in my heart, I would challenge you that you do not. Because if you can't learn to do it, it's not hard. You can't learn to stop. (laughs) This goes back to chapter 2 in Genesis. I mean, yeah, chapter 2, verse 2. Because he says, if you rest, then it will produce. That's right. The rest actually, it kept overnight. It didn't spoil. It didn't, it actually kept it. It actually preserved it. It's, uh, it's an interesting concept. But he gives us this practice. This is, by the way, a great object lesson. This is the way that God gives. This is a reason why, one reason why God gives us commandments. He gives us an opportunity to work it out like we're little children. Because we are. We learn best by doing. Concepts are wonderful, but they really have no lasting effect upon us. You know, we can get in our mind and go, oh, yeah, I got that. Oh, yeah. Ooh, ooh, great theological thought. Wow, that really was blessed by that thought. But what's the lasting effect? We like camp experiences. But it's the things that we do every single day that have its lasting effect upon us. Now, translate that into actual children in your home or children that you have an influence with. What are you really doing when you establish these things that have... From their earliest years, what are you doing? You're creating, you are establishing patterns that have 
not just practical effect, but in fact do have theological effect as well. It can make the connection. As you make the connection as an adult, has a lasting effect. God, this, this lesson that Exodus 16 gives us is God creates, God provides. He gave the manna. Real simple concept. If you keep it overnight, it stinks. <laughs> but if you take it on the sixth day, twice as much, it keeps to the seventh day. You don't need to go out and gather on the seventh day. Man follows through. And this is what we talked about working last week. God creates, man simply follows through. The work of the six days is correctly brought into focus on the seventh day. Do you know why we light two candles at the beginning of Shabbat, the beginning of the Sabbath, on Friday at sunset, and why we light one candle, a twisted candle, at sunset at the end of Shabbat on the sixth day? Or, excuse me, at the end of the seventh day? Why do we light two, can- why do we light two sets of candles? It's actually called, and by the way, the last one is called Havdalah. It means to separate to separate, to distinguish between. So you have a point where you go, between the lighting of these two candles, we're going to not light any more candles. That's actually what it means. You light the candle say, oh, we're not going to light a single candle, we're not going to light any fires until this is all over, and then we're going to light a fire to say it's done. We've separated. Separated between the six days of work, and the, in fact, that's part of the Abdallah prayer, separating that God distinguishes between the six days of work and the seventh day of rest. It's a sign. Look in chapter 31 of Exodus, verse 12. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbaths, and that's plural, Shabbatot, you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. It's a sign. Why are the Jewish people, by the way, that's a common, it's been said many times, I know there's a more recent, uh, I think it was uh, um, uh, Rabbi Heschel said that the Jewish people were kept by the Sabbath. They didn't, it wasn't, they didn't keep the Sabbath, but they were kept by the Sabbath. But it is the most identifiable sign of Jewish people. The Sabbath, the seventh day. Uh, it is a sign between, between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Who sets the people apart? God. It's a sign so that you can know that God sets you apart for him. He's, you're holy. You shall keep the Sabbath for, for, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death, for whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from his people. Who is Israel is the question, I suppose. And that was what Lewis brought up. Well, it's good for Jewish people. But, you know, Gentiles should not. And actually, the Shakarit prayers, Shemona Esrei, for sanctifying the day, actually says you have not given it to all the peoples. You haven't given it to idol worshippers. You haven't given it to only your chosen people have you given it to. It's a gift. In other words, what's ironic is in the early 2nd century, Justin Martyr said the Sabbath was a curse to the Jewish people. He was one of the early Christian uh, thinkers and he he's one of the first ones credited with coming up with perplacement theology. He said it was a curse. God tricked you. God wanted to show you how bad it could be if you lived by rules, even if they're his rules. And when you saw how bad it would be, you would finally throw up your hands and say, we give up, please don't make us do this stuff anymore. That's actually, if you want to look at it, that's classical Christian theology when it comes to the works of the law. Don't make us do this anymore. Boy, aren't we relieved we don't have to keep the Sabbath anymore. Well, the Jewish people have never seen the Sabbath as anything other than a great blessing. A day of contentment and joy. A day of delight. 
What? How could you, how could you say, and, and the festivals, which are also, he says, Sabbaths here, Leviticus 23, all of the days. Uh, I'm sorry, make me not have a party, you know, for Sukkot. Wow, what a punishment that is. <laughs> you understand? See, I mean, what do most people think about Saturday in America? It's a day to mow my lawn, but boy, it's a relief, isn't it? Most people actually really appreciate Saturday, don't they? It's for them doing their own thing. I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but everybody knows that at least work is over, and I, boy, I'm, I can do my own thing now. God, of course, calls us not to do our own thing, but his thing. But the point here is that it is, it is when you tell people a, the Sabbath day is a day of rest, they usually will only bucket that because it's a day that I don't, don't get to do my thing. Not that it's a day of rest. They don't, they don't care about it. They like a day of rest. That'd be great. Oh, yeah, that'd be wonderful. As long as I can do my own thing. No, no, that's not, that's not a day of rest. It's not about a day of rest. The, set, the purpose of this sign, it is a sign gift. It is a gift. The Sabbath is a gift. It's a sign. But it's not just a thing. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11. It's not, it's not just a thing. Remember, it's not a noun only. It takes practice. It's a verb. We're looking at it as a verb. What do we do? How do you do the Sabbath? Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11 says, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments, His judgments, His statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and you are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who, you led, who led you through the wilderness and terrible, that great and terrible wilderness in which you were, there were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land which there was no water who brought water for you out of the flinty rock who fed you in the wilderness with manna which your fathers did not know and he made it, that he might humble you that he might test you to do you good in the end then say in your heart my power and the might of my hand has gained me this wealth. The purpose for rest is to recognize you didn't even do the work. It was done for you. It's created for you. You know, we think, oh boy, man, I work hard for my money. You know, I mean, I deserve my rest. You don't earn rest by hard work. If that was true, then the farmer was is the least of all in reward. Because he doesn't get much rest. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. The writer of the book of Hebrews has a marvelous understanding of the Sabbath. Of course, most people that read Hebrews spiritualize it all. It's so much easier. And I had to start keeping the Sabbath if I actually believe that it's talking about the Sabbath. But here it says, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 8 says, For Joshua had had given them rest. For if Joshua had given them rest, speaking of children of Israel, then he would not have afterwards spoken of another there. Therefore, there, there, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his work as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Diligent to enter. Work hard to rest. And if you have ever kept a traditional Shabbat, Actually, I would say a biblical Shabbat. Certain parts of this at least are. Then you understand this. What is Friday afternoon like? Crazy. It's hectic. Anybody seen the uh, little video clip on YouTube that has uh, uh, 
uh, Shabbos Kodesh, where they uh, where the where the the guys running through the uh, oh no no it was the earliest sa- the earliest Sabbath in New York City that's what it is uh, the earliest one of the year it's like 4:30 in the afternoon <laughs> and he's running trying to get because he you know it's like you forgot it's so early wow and he's running through the through the city trying to get the bread and trying to get flowers and shows up at the door in the nick of time you know and Sabbath's begun that's the way we. That's the way. Friday afternoons are crazy. I mean, yesterday afternoon, I had stuff I had to do, and I, man, I got, there's a time. Here's the key. You know when it starts. This is really important to understand. This is a concept that I think that this teaches, that people who do not practice the traditional Shabbat do not understand. There's a time for work, and you know when it stops. And you work extra hard to get to that point. This is what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. Be diligent to enter that rest. There's a time for work, and there's a time when you can no longer work. Where's the time for work in this spiritual sense? It's now. When will it end? You don't know when, but you know it will. And you know that once it wins, there's no more work. Right? So anything you need to get done, you need to get done now. It's this idea of immediacy. These six days of work are teaching us there's things we need to do now that we won't be able to do later. Would that be like it to our breast? Hashem, yes. Are we much more crazy now? That's right. The, the spiritual, the spiritual application is how many, how many good deeds will be you'll be able to do when you're in the presence of God? We'll be able to care for the sick. We'll be able to love one another, care for one another. We'll be able to teach your children. No, oh. these are things we need to do now. Why? So that we can interest? No. No one in their right mind thinks that all the work they did Sunday through Friday afternoon makes the Sabbath show up Friday evening at sunset. <laughs> no, it comes. It just happens. It is because God ordained it, right? It's the same thing. Your working is not going to make, make you have rest. What it's going to do is it's simply going to, when you enter your rest, you'll know that everything that could have been done was done. And you're going to eat. Because if you don't work hard on Friday afternoon in a traditional Shabbat, you're not going to eat on Shabbat. Think about it. If you don't stock the stove with firewood so you don't have to put it on during Shabbat, you're going to be cold on Shabbat. You have to do it ahead of time. Do you understand? It's when you arrive at the rest of the Almighty. And it's what, it's what Paul and James and Peter all talk about. Showing up and having the smell of smoke upon you. Do you understand? In other words, you escaped just barely. You have the hint of the flames of hell. Because you just barely got by. As opposed to recognizing that you did what you were called to do. Everything you're called to do. Let's look at this about... In Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, it says, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Remember and treasure. Remember it. Remember, in Greek thinking, remember means think good thoughts. Oh, I remember that. That was wonderful. That's not what remember. Zakar does not mean that in Hebrew. In Hebrew, zakar means to memorialize it. Make a big deal about it. <laughs> That's right. So we're rehearsing it. Rehearsing it. Malachi 3.16. We're me- rehearsing the Sabbath. We're looking forward to an eternal rest so we rehearse each week. We're practicing heaven. We're practicing the world to come each week. In fact, that's exactly, by the way, 
uh, Abraham uh, Heschel's book, The Sabbath, is probably the best book outside the Bible I've ever read on this subject. Because he, he says, it is a moment in time when time and space come together. It's like, it's not time. It's a place. But it's not a place. It's a time. It's not a thing you do, but you have to do it. It's amazing. But he says here, keep, shamar, it's to treasure it. To treasure it. Guard it as precious. Go to Isaiah chapter 58. And we're almost done. Isaiah 58, and we're going to go to verse uh, 13. If you'll turn your foot away from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure, on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, holy day of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor honor Him, not doing your own ways, not finding your own pleasures, nor speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride in the high hills of the earth, and feed you from the heritage of, your, of Jacob your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Who's Israel? Who's Jacob our father? By the way, if you follow Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 2, it says, All the nations will come, and they will worship the house of the Lord, the house of the God of Jacob. Israel is all those who believe. Uh, where you were born was not as important as who you follow. You didn't get to decide where you were born. But you have a choice whether you're going to follow the Master. The prophetic nature of Shabbat, and we don't have time to go through all these, but uh, suffice it to say, the Shabbat and the new moon, those who like to point these, uh, oh, let's say, so Paul says, Sabbath, new moons, they're going to go away, Romans chapter 14. Uh, first of all, that's a misreading of Paul. But uh, Ezekiel chapter 46 talks about the Sabbath and the new moon in the future. And it says it's a time of, it's a time of coming before the Lord and worshiping. Isaiah 66, the last chapter of the prophetic book of Isaiah, which is about the world to come, talks about all nations worshiping from one Sabbath to another, worshiping the Lord of hosts. Um, Zechariah 14.6 talks about the Feast of uh, Sukkot, and uh, it has two Sabbath days in it. Ezekiel 45 talks about Yom Kippur, Passover, and Sukkot as well, within the Millennial Kingdom. Uh, There are 39 Melachot in the Mishnah, Things that you are prohibited to do on the Sabbath. Things like carrying, igniting, burning, extinguishing, finishing, writing, erasing, cooking, washing, sewing, tearing, knotting, untying, sharpening, shaping, plowing, planting, reaping, harvesting, threshing, winnowing, selecting, sifting, grinding, kneading, combining, combing, excuse me, spinning, dyeing, chain stitching, warping, weaving, unraveling, building, demolishing, trapping, shearing, slaughtering, skinning, tanning, smoothing, marking. You can easily write them off, off and go, well, Man, these guys just make it tough to do anything. Well, that was part of the idea. But you need to know that the Mishnah records these, not because Scripture does. Some of these actually are scriptural. Scripture doesn't record them, but Exodus chapter 31 is found in the middle of the building of the tabernacle. And, And he tells them specifically to cease their building of the tabernacle during, on the, on the seventh day every week. Don't build a tabernacle. Some might say, hey, it's a holy work. We can do it. Right? And he said, no, stop your holy work. And these 39 things are the things that are necessary, the verbs found in the building of the tabernacle. That's where these come from, the Melachot. So, you might write them off, as some people do, 
But you should consider, what is it to create? God created for six days and ceased on the seventh day. Maybe I should stop creating things too. There are certainly commands about the Sabbath. Remember, keep it holy. He tells us specifically not to light a fire. He tells us specifically, by example, not to gather wood, lifting. And he tells us specifically from, keeps us from labor, work. Nehemiah tells us about not buying or selling. And the concept behind that is because your neighbor, don't cause your neighbor. Exodus chapter 20 says don't make your neighbor, don't make make your servant work either. So if you're paying somebody, they, they become your servant. So that's the concept. So there are biblical commandments and there are extended commandments. Uh, I would not call them commandments, but they're uh, the, the extended uh, traditions, the 39 melachot, um, that you should at least wonder. What is, what is it about creating the tabernacle that God wanted them to stop on the seventh day? It's close. Father, we do thank you that you have called us into relationship with you. That you have joined us to yourself and the people of God through the work of Messiah alone. Father, we cannot replicate that. We can't even begin to approach it. The righteousness that we do, that you have called us to do, when compared to the righteousness of Messiah, is nothing. We recognize that all that we do that's good is simply following through on what you, our Father, have done for us. May we be an example to those around us as we follow our Master Yeshua, walking faithfully and obediently to you. Father, we look forward to that day when every day will be Shabbat. We pray in Yeshua's name. Amen.